0: hello there woman beings and welcome to another episode of the woman being podcast i'm emma i'm here today with the wonderful kelly hello and the amazing kellyanne hello and a very special (laughs) guest which is the incredible cynthia Vaca davis thank you so much for being here with us today cynthia
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> we are too. For anyone who doesn't know, Cynthia is an author. Her book came out. Was it in this year? Yeah, um, it was in or August. last year. uh, Yes. Okay. Uh, Last year, um, it's called Intersection. She has also worked in higher education and taught journalism and is a freelance journalist right now. And we are going to pick her brain about all of the things that she has investigated (laughs) Um, within her book, Intersection. It tackles the topic of being an intersex person it tackles um it tells the story of somebody within her life who's intersex alongside her story uh and along with all of that throw in some christianity and we have (laughs) and we have her book so we're very excited to talk to cynthia about all of this today you're gonna enjoy this episode and we're gonna enjoy this chat so let's dive right in this is woman being
2: where we explore thoughts and opinions and have the freedom to change our minds. Without expectation or judgment, we will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine.
0: Cynthia. Thank you again for being here. We're very excited. It's been a long time coming. You waited for us to leave the country and come back. And and so patiently, we appreciate it. And now, Uh, you know,
1: you're fitting me in before I leave the country. Yeah. I mean, we're just gloat-trotting women. We are. We are living our best
0: lives. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So just to familiarize our listeners with who you are, what it is that you do, could you tell us just a bit about uh, your story and then also why it is that you wrote this book?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it it's a really hard book to just kind of put into the, like this elevator pitch. And you yeah, did a really good job Totally. It. So um, <laughs> I had for a long time considered myself to be an ally, but mm. didn't really truly know what a true ally was. Mm. It was easy to say, oh, sure, I have queer friends, and it's awesome. But I didn't really realize that true allyship has a cost associated with it Mm. until um, this was 2014. And I was working as an adjunct professor and I was um, at three different universities. One of wow. them I was taking classes at. I wasn't teaching there, but I was doing a circuit around three different universities and just trying to figure figure out if um, one of them would... Uh, take me, uh, for a real, you know, real job rather than, yeah. Yeah. Just doing the circuit. I'm going, mm-hmm. it was in two States and I'm going through two bridge tunnels and oh my gosh. Well, well. i gosh got papers in the backseat and snack wrappers shotgun. And I'm just, <laughs> um, just doing this thing. And, um, one of the universities was a Christian, like mm-hmm. here's the Christianity part. It's a Christian, mm. um, Bible college. And, um, They approached me mid-semester, which was really a rare thing, like it never happens. And they wanted to give me a promotion, which also doesn't usually happen. Um, So this was like a lot of exciting developments. And yeah, and especially because I was still um, taking uh, Mm -hmm. classes. So I wasn't even finished um, with my MFA. I had a master's, but I hadn't finished with my MFA. So all of this was just very... Exciting, unusual, um, rare opportunity. But as I was going through that process of um, kind of transitioning into this role, I discovered that um, I was working for some uh, pretty bigoted people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And an undue amount of the interview process was focused on my feelings about LGBTQI plus people, hmm. um, which personally, I think that that's not not very important to whether or not I can teach English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so um, they had actually drafted a statement that they had, uh, it was a brand new thing um, because hmm gay marriage had just been legalized in Virginia and Mm. I was, the school was in North Carolina Mm. and they could see it coming, you know, it's, it's, going to be coming. So we have to, uh, alert our, um, our base of how we feel about this situation. So we're going to have everybody sign a statement just basically saying that, um, we don't participate in any way, shape or form with, um, any support of the LGBTQI plus community, And, um, actually referred to, um, the community as repugnant and offensive. Yeah. So that, um, that was required. Like, and, and actually I couldn't have even continued working as an adjunct without signing that. Cause that was a whole like brand new policy, like across the board. You had to, you had to be on board with that. So Mm -hmm. that's when I realized that I couldn't really go on calling myself an ally and sign something like this just to get a better job. Sure. That is, I think, the heart of um, what was happening in Intersection because meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, (laughs) so to speak, I had um, befriended um, someone from church named Danny. Mm. And exactly at the time when this was happening at work, um, Danny called and, um, wanted to talk about something. And at this point I knew Danny as female. Everybody Mm -hmm. knew Danny as female, but we also knew that something was not quite right. Something had been going on with Danny for a while. And, um, I found out that what had been going on with Danny was that he was intersex and, Mm -hmm. um, and it was something that, he'd been living with his entire life. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. and I always say he when I talk about Danny, but at this point, nobody was calling Danny he. Danny um, had been living since um, puberty. Well, since birth, he knew that something, he was was confused. Everyone's calling me a girl, but I'm a boy. And even as a toddler, you know, when you're a toddler, you don't know a lot about gender. You don't know about Mm -hmm. um, how these things work. So he assumed that there was some confusion and that when he grew up, as he grew that people would just understand that he was a boy. So he kind mm-hmm. of regarded it as like, this is annoying and upsetting and I don't mm-hmm. understand why people aren't getting this right. So we yeah. would pray, let everybody see who I am. And mm-hmm. then puberty came and he had double puberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and which doesn't always happen in intersex. There's a mm-hmm. million different ways to be intersex. Um, only a slight exaggeration there. There's a lot of different ways to be intersex. Yeah. And, um, but for Danny, it was the full, um, the full experience. Danny mm-hmm. had um, male and female puberty, but the male puberty kind of started first. So mm. he regarded it as answer to prayer. Hallelujah. Yeah. Confirmation. Yeah. <laughs> Confirmation. Finally, yeah. I'm turning into a boy and yeah. this is great. And soon everybody's mm-hmm. going to see and everything it's going to be wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. But then the female puberty hit he got a period and started to develop rest and, Oh boy. But he knew instinctively because he grew up in a conservative Christian home and he knew we don't talk about things like this here. This isn't, Mm -hmm. this isn't safe subject matter. So he stuffed it away. Mm -hmm. Um, he didn't want to lose his family. He didn't want to lose his church. He didn't want to, um, he didn't want to heaven forbid, be sent to a doctor and, and be studied. And he just, um, went kind of deep undercover and mm. decided to give people what they wanted to see, which was female. Mm. Mm. But at the point when, um, I had the conversation with Danny, um, it wasn't, it, it wasn't possible in any way, shape or form. Cause this had been 30 years at this point that the secret had been, um, it, he'd been living with it. Mm. Um, but one thing about intersex is there's a big medical component to it and there's a lot of competing hormones and mm-hmm. yeah. um he was physically becoming pretty sick and mentally mm-hmm. was unwell um yeah. with with living with this. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be possible anymore for him to continue to um to carry on just keeping a secret to himself and, and presenting, um, the world, the woman that they expected to see. Yeah. Um, so he, he said, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know if my family's going to accept me. Don't know if I'm going to get kicked out of church. I don't know what, which one of my friends will stick around. And I was a new friend. So at this point mm. it was risky for him to tell me,
3: mm. but it
1: was also, I think, um, there's all these people with all this history and I think in some ways it was easier because I Mm -hmm. was this new friend, but I also, um, he had known and heard from other people that I, um, really enjoyed the company of being around uh, a lot of gay friends. And so he felt that there was this safety and, and telling me this and then asking like, will you support me? I don't know how this is going to end and I need a team of people. Mm. Um, also, he needed to practice, um, he had a little script of how he was going to explain it to people. And so he was practicing that script. And then, um, you know, I have this conversation and then all this other, um, all this other stuff, um, these other events went down at work and this is all happening at once. So I'm having to decide, Who am I really? Am I somebody that's trying to get this job and trying to have this position? Am I somebody that's going to to really truly support Danny, which I couldn't see in any way, shape or form that I can do it and just go along with things at work like nothing was wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as far as the book part of it goes, very early on, um, because I was uh, finishing up my MFA, I still had to, actually, it wasn't even, I used the term finishing up at this point, I hadn't even settled on what my thesis was going to be. So mm-hmm. yeah. in talking with Danny and becoming so interested in what he was explaining to me about intersex, because I knew nothing about it. Um, it was 2014 and not a lot of people were we're talking about it. And I still run into people today who don't know anything about intersex, but so much more so nine years ago. And, um, Danny, um, just through conversation, we just landed on it one night that, yeah, I'd be okay if you wrote about intersex. Um, I didn't even ask him. It was just, um, somebody made a comment about like, this is unbelievable. You don't even see movies about, you know, the, the things that he's going through and, it would be a great book. And then it just, from there, it was in everybody involved in this conversation knew I was trying to find my, my thesis material. And mm-hmm. it just kind of was like, Hey, <laughs> you should write about intersex. Mm-hmm. And I felt, um, excited and also scared and uncomfortable because I'm not intersex. Oh, sure. Um, and I, didn't know how that was going to be received, but Danny is the one sitting on my couch going, yeah, yeah, write this story. I'll help you. And, and, um, I'll answer whatever you want to know. Um, so we have this very willing, uh, participant who has lived this amazing story and he's saying, look, nobody's talking about this. We need to start, we need to do something to get people talking about it because Mm. it's important. Um, so it kind of went very quickly from, I'm just going to write about intersex and and explore what this is, to, oh, wait, now I kind of have skin in the game here because I just got the boot out of my university for being an ally. So mm-hmm. I think um, th- the convergence of all of those things is what ended up becoming the book intersection.
0: I think it's incredible that you're raising awareness around these these stories. Um, I've started your book. I haven't had the chance to finish it yet, but I already love it's the way busy. that you <laughs> yeah, I already <laughs> love the way that you you write and the way that you write in Danny's voice and the way that you're you're sharing his experiences. Um, feels very much like like you're in it, you know, and um, I think that's really valuable for people to gain empathy and understanding of what an intersex or anyone in the LGBTQIA spectrum's experience is. Uh, I think that that's just invaluable. Um, but it there is also a tension there, right? Because you are mm-hmm. like a a straight, you know, cis woman that is. Telling this person's story and um, their friend and there's someone that you're getting consent from. But even for us, like when we heard about your book, we're like, oh, like, is this something we want to talk about or no? Like, right. what does that look like? Like, how, where is this woman coming from? You know, exactly. like how does that? work like in terms of we don't we we wouldn't want to you know misrepresent someone's story or anything like that. So I'm just curious to hear from you more about how you navigate that tension of of telling someone's story um and putting yourself sort of in their shoes uh mm-hmm. as you write your book uh and how you've you've walked that sort of tightrope.
1: It is a tightrope. you get it. <laughs> it's a tightrope and um and thank you for, um, the lovely comments about, about my writing. And, um, <laughs> I'm glad that you what you're getting from Danny is, is the empathy because that was my goal. I, mm-hmm. I felt like stories matter mm-hmm. and we can relate to something in a story much more so than just a news report. Cause you know, I do write journalism, but then there's this narrative kind of a narrative true story.
0: Yeah.
1: Does more work, right? It does more of that heavy lifting because you're feeling it. But, Mm -hmm. um, it was, um, it wasn't just one thing or one moment where I you know, felt comfortable and rectified, you know, like, Oh, this is, this is why I feel okay doing it. It, It's like an everyday sort of process. Like I'm carrying this story Mm -hmm. and I'm carrying it so carefully. because it's fragile and it's yeah. it's beautiful and it's precious, so I have to carry it carefully. And it's always been um, important for me to know that um, Danny has been a full collaborator. Um, mm-hmm. So when when we um, and I often say we because I look at it's his book too. He didn't really want to be, you know. In fact, he definitely didn't want his name on the cover. Um, mm. He didn't. He wanted to stay in the background. He wanted to be just somebody who is giving the story as a gift because mm-hmm. he's hopeful that A, other people in his situation will feel less alone, and B, that other people who read will develop empathy and things will be better for the community. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't have the skills or desire to write this, but I want it out there. So. Mm-hmm. I keep coming back to that. Okay. This yeah. is something Danny wants to happen. This is something that he wants to give to the community. This is something that he feels, um, will, um, be part of that conversation. So that's, that's kind of my first thing. If Danny's comfortable with anything, Danny's comfortable with, I'm going to, I'm going to go forward with. And, yeah. um, part of that navigation was, um, having him read everything before mm-hmm. it you know he his eyes had to be on it first really and um sometimes he wasn't um in a mental space where he could read it because he, he told me early on, you're writing this too well. Yeah. <laughs> this is putting me back. <laughs> mm. And and then I would say, do you want, do you are you okay? Do you want me to stop? No, no, it's just I'm gonna need some time yeah. to process because like it a puts me like privatization. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It puts me back in those spaces. But it was also good for him in a way, because he was bringing all of this out. And bringing Mm. it all in. Let's look at it. Let's look at what's happened. Let's think about what's happened. Let's process what's happened. So there was an element of that too, I think. Mm. Um, But I think the biggest challenge for me in carrying the story was it was initially... Um, you, from what you were saying, you're still in, in the Danny section, this book is in three (laughs) sections. There's Danny, there's Cynthia, and then there's an intersection, which is where the two of our stories come together. Mm -hmm. So it's in three parts and it wasn't always set up that way. It was initially, I would kind of flip back and forth from Danny to me, to Danny to me. And, and, um, I, it was in third person, Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was the only way to write Danny because again, I'm taking my um, journalistic background Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of writing Danny like I would Mm -hmm. in a narrative nonfiction sort of way where um, I'm telling his story, but I'm removed from it, you know, in, Mm -hmm. in, in this third person. And then uh, I received word from my editor that that wasn't the way to go. And Mm -hmm. Danny had to be in first person. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I've said this several times um in in interviews it was it was and I'm not kidding. it was just like, okay, the book is over. I can't mm. do that. Like I <laughs> cannot do that mm. because that to me felt like, okay, it's one thing to tell his story. It's another thing to take on his voice, right. you know? yeah. And I felt like that was going to be and and I would get questions when i one of the reasons why it took me a long time to get it published is agents and editors that I spoke with were really trying to navigate this space too. Right. Mm-hmm. And Danny wasn't right alongside of me saying, Hey, this is the way you know, I want this to be. Um, but what I found, well, first of all, Danny said, I, I told him what was going on next time. He said, well, what's going on with the book? I said, Oh, bad news. Um, he said, what? I said, well, they want me to write you in first person. And he said, so, <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> Write it in first
1: person. I don't care. Mm. Do, do what the editors are telling you to do. I was yeah. like, really? And he said, yeah, yeah, do what the editors say. Mm. Um, and after I made that switch, I found that I had fewer people questioning the book. Mm. And I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. I'm truly not sure why. But I think in um, what my editor said that helped me to navigate that, Um, and to understand what I was doing a little bit better, she said, think about it as ghostwriting. You're ghostwriting, Danny. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think um, that people read it that way a little bit more. Like um, Prince Harry's memoir that just came out, um, they had a piece in The New Yorker, I think a week or so ago, about the ghostwriter behind that that memoir. So Mm -hmm. I think we do, as society, kind of understand that idea of ghostwriting a little bit. And I think Mm -hmm. that made it more palatable mm-hmm. for certain people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. At least uh, and I think editors question I mean it was the editor that told me to do it. So mm-hmm. I think right. they questioned it less.
0: And to some extent it makes sense to me the idea of Danny wanting his story out there but not wanting to put himself as the face of it. Like the the value of the anonymity and yeah. I know that you changed Danny's name in the story as well. So yep. like the, that's not even the name of the person that we're talking about and right. so so danny's able to you know protect themselves from further harm and yep. from um being sort of put out into this public sphere mm-hmm. uh and re-traumatized even more right uh, but still able to share what they're seeing and where like is a valuable story mm-hmm. and is something that people more people should learn more about um like i feel like at least from what I see, I hear so much about um like all the other letters in LGBTQIA, mm-hmm. but I don't hear a lot about intersex. And that's right. something that has come up a little bit more in the last few years, but it's like sometimes I'm like, I don't even fully know what intersex is, or like yeah. I need to remind myself, I need to Google about this, mm. I need to remember what all the different things are. It makes sense that Danny would want to propel it, but it also makes sense that Danny would want to to protect themselves and to Yeah. You know be safeguarded in that anonymity and the idea of ghostwriting that does really help put it into perspective mm-hmm. for me even like locking that into my brain like oh yes like this um that does make a lot of sense and in like like i said you do really it feels like portray danny in a very mm-hmm. personal way and it feels like it's coming from him mm-hmm. uh, yeah and i think that's a testament one to like your relationship with Danny and like mm-hmm. how well you know him. And then, um, also to that, this, this actually is his story. It's just yeah. coming out like through you as a vessel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that was important to me because I mean, I really argued with my editor. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. I don't think that's what we want to do. Yeah, it is. What yeah. We do. And then, um, and then, you know, the ghostwriting helped. And then mm-hmm. I said, it's just going to sound like, it's me yeah. throughout the entire book. It's, you know, cause I, I am telling my story in first person mm-hmm. and I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to differentiate the voices and it was just the whole thing mm-hmm. was going to read like it was me. Yeah. But I have had many people say, Oh no, we don't get that at all. So mm-hmm. I think that helped. And, mm-hmm. and I think another, another thing that helped was, um, I really went back and just rewrote it. It wasn't just a Mm -hmm. matter of going through and changing the um, third person he to I. You know, I had to actually rewrite scenes Mm. and I had to get in his head a little bit more. And um, I had to think about words that he would use in real life
0: Mm. more
1: than... So I'm kind of swapping out vocabulary. I'm thinking, you know, oh, what would Danny say at this moment (laughs) Rather, rather than, you know, just making up something, you know, that, that comes from my head. So mm-hmm. it, it was a huge challenge.
3: That's so cool though. Cause it, it goes from I'm telling a story to this is the story, you yes. know, like, and I can't imagine as an aspiring uh, writer, like the idea of going through the the editing process and like changing something from third first person to first person That's gutting. Like, I get it. I would quit. (laughs) So much work
0: that (laughs) I'm having to totally alter. But, like,
3: that just shows, like, the value and the respect that you have for Danny's story. You're Mm -hmm. willing to get in the trenches and redo... The work, yeah. because you see the value there, and that's really beautiful. It had to be right, and I knew that something mm-hmm.
1: wasn't right. I just mm-hmm. couldn't put my finger on it, and that's why I started working with the editor. Because this was even before I had a contract to have it published. This was yeah. just oh, me wow. on my own saying, I need to get a good editor mm-hmm. to help me, because something is not hitting all the cylinders. And mm-hmm. I I don't know what it is. I'm too entrenched in this. I can't see it with fresh eyes anymore. Oh, that's the hard part about writing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's
3: perfect and
1: amazing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> don't touch it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, I know you want, you pour yourself into it. and Then you just want people to go, yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 like this is <laughs> tell great. me I'm a genius.
3: A hundred percent. So Cynthia, you obviously see the value and the beauty of Danny's story. You mm-hmm. see how important it is, how much people need to be talking about it. However, there are maybe some people that won't feel this way. Yep. So <laughs> for me, I've been processing some of this because I actually went home very recently to Oklahoma and I'm from a Methodist church and there's a big split, big drama, people mm-hmm. are big mad happening yep. right now over LGBTQ plus issues, right? Well, issues like, it's a Roe v. Wade situation, right? We're like, let the churches decide. And they're like, no, (laughs)
2: don't (laughs) do
3: that. (laughs) Right? So I'm processing all this. Obviously, I get a lot of information through the grapevine, but that makes me really interested to know, like, how did your church respond that you met Danny Mm -hmm. through? Like, as he... Initially started the transition, and then further along as that journey progressed, because I'm like, I want to know the church drama. Tell me everything. <laughs> no, there's so <laughs> much, much, much drama. <laughs> <laughs> I am somewhat
1: familiar um, with what's going on in the Methodist Church because, um, uh, spoiler alert, we don't go to the church that we went that we all met at. And,
3: <gasps> um, what?
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. Shocking! <laughs>
1: shocking! Um, but, uh, Danny and Krista, um, his wife started going to a church, um, a Methodist church mm. and they were thriving because mm. it was an affirming church. Yeah. And then this all hit the fan and the affirming pastor left. And oh, then there was mm-hmm. just so many question marks. And I think that was just discouraging to them. So yeah, yeah it's, it's an unfortunate thing that's happening, but the church drama where we were first of all <laughs> the um the inlet um was is um i speak in past tense cuz i'm not there but it's still a sure. it's still a congreg- congregation the mm-hmm. strangest in a good way um church i ever went to it was just not like normal church mm-hmm. um from the moment we walked in we knew it was different and at mm-hmm. first this was all very positive um for one thing, um, the people you can't, you, the congregation is made up from such a diverse, um, range of people. We had doctors, we had people who were experiencing homelessness. We Mm -hmm. had people who were drug users and we had people who were, you know, professional business people. So it's a, it's a mix of, Mm -hmm. of everything. And, um the church also wasn't associated with a denomination,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is good and interesting sometimes, but mm-hmm. also the wheels can just come off and there's right. no there's no. There's handle, no there's checks no, there's and no, balances. Yeah. No, right. So this place is just flying by the seat of of the the minister's pants, basically. You know, like whatever sure. whatever, you know, he's in charge and um he's trying to be everything to everyone.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um which can again have a good side, but this is where the drama started because um when Danny first um this was within a couple of weeks after we had the initial conversation and it was decided that um since this was happening, you know, there there was really no choice that uh, Danny was doing this in stages. So Mm. told some uh, close people around him, he told his family, and then um, was going to tell the inner circle of um, church people that we associated with. And Danny at this point was the youth minister. Mm -hmm. So there were ramifications. Um, One of the things he was afraid of was, I'm not going to be able to work with the youth anymore. And this was a huge part of his life. So- there was a meeting and um, I was in on all of the meetings from pretty much the ground floor. And the first meeting went really surprisingly well. Everyone was, was very um, supportive, but there was also kind of a disturbing, what I was able to identify later as this disturbing element, because the disturbing element is that intersex has as medical, verifiable medical, um, Component to it, mm-hmm. and people are more willing to engage with the topic of intersex for that reason, mm-hmm. um, which can be a conversation opener, and it can be a way to um, like somebody that is completely against um, anything with the LGBTQI community. Um, they or uh, they will engage in the conversation because of the medical component. But mm. also it's a little problematic because it's, we have to be able to um, have this reason. We have to be able to see that it's, it's medical and yeah. not, you know, cause we, they're trying to separate it from all the rest is what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. They're trying to, to take the I the intersex and put it in a medical category and then still feel good throwing all the rest of the letters away mm-hmm. <laughs> is kind of how I look at it because it was billed as there's a person in our congregation with a medical problem, people were like, Oh, okay. Tell us more. Hmm. And because we had a lot of, we had some NASA scientists and we had some doctors, you know, in the congregation, they were pretty well educated and it wasn't hard, a hard jump for them to go, Oh, I understand what's happening here. Um, and, and that's, that's okay. We're going to, we're going to support you. There were a lot of little, um, unfortunate things that were, were kind of working against everyone being fully accepting. And that's that um, the church not having a denominational um, kind of umbrella, there were conservative people in the church as well. Um, most of the people that were kind of in uh, leadership and were making a lot of the decisions were, were really pretty progressive, mm-hmm. but there were, you know, there was a small minority of conservative people. And they were a little, um, hesitant and, um, there were also some people who used to be in Danny's youth group at a different church who were now adults. These are Mm. like uh, some people in their thirties who had had Mm -hmm. Danny as a female youth leader in their growing up years. Mm -hmm. And it was especially hard news for them. Mm. Um, which I think complicated things, I think it kind of stacked the deck against, um, um, Danny a little bit because these people weren't just processing it from a, oh, I understand what's going on, you know, medically or otherwise it was, Hmm. wait a minute, all those years you were my youth leader and you were somebody that I didn't, um, that, that, yeah, you're not the person I thought you were. Uh. Yeah, That was one thing that caused the tide to start turning a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then also when um, Danny got out of the relationship he was in, um, which mm-hmm. wasn't a healthy relationship, um, but it was something that appeared healthy on the outside. Mm. They uh, always do. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. part of that process of... Telling his truth was a Muslim's yeah. relationship that's that's not at all not okay good. or healthy. And that person was in the church and mm. um she would do things like cry during the entire service. And oh. that the optics on that were kind of like, Oh, Danny's leaving. Um <laughs> Danny's leaving his mm. partner and now she's crying. Mm. Um this isn't cool. I guess he's become a jerk now. And Mm. so there was a lot of those kind of things going on and there were meetings, there were copious meetings. And, Mm -hmm. and then when Danny started dating, um, then the grilling started with, um, Krista, um, Mm. (laughs) and, uh, what, what was, what were his intentions with her? And she was younger. And so, uh, it, it just goes layer after layer after layer after layer that it, it just wasn't sustainable. Mm.
2: Well, that's just a lot too to have. I mean, to be going through something like that, which is very visible in terms of like transitioning your gender, and then you know having the people in your life that you trust come around you to to be there, but then also navigating being in a church community where values are built on on things like support and care and understanding and tolerance or, you know, whatever that may be. But in reality, you, you are not personally affiliated with every single person in the congregation, Mm -hmm. but it becomes a congregational issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so it's just, it turns into a very codependent corporate shift of all sorts of different people who are not necessarily bound by anything other than their decision to attend the same mm. location right. to practice their faith. Right. Um, which is, you know, lots of beauty there in so many ways, but also very complicated when trying to navigate a very personal and drastic life change.
1: Yeah. And and it's you're navigating this this personal life change but you're also under this microscope the entire time yeah that was really difficult
3: wow yeah and how exhausting as well like i could not imagine going through anything close to that challenge yeah because like
2: suddenly you owe everyone and anyone an explanation mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. very intimate details of your life yeah right. <laughs> I mean, it's such a good sport about it like I, I want to educate you ask me anything
1: and yeah. I'm an open book and then uh, you know it it to be that open and to be that welcoming, like from his, he's he's welcoming the congregation right. into mm-hmm. this thing he's going through. And then some of them are like, eh, uh, no, no thanks. Or yeah. um, use it as an opportunity to grill him about mm. anything that they felt was appropriate. And most of it yeah. frankly wasn't was not, appropriate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's
0: fairly, I think that's st- like links to just like the obsession with, you know, like what your sexual sex life is or what your purity status is and all of that within Mm -hmm. Christian, like evangelical church settings where it's, there is this idea that, oh, your, your sexuality, your relationships, all those things are not your own. Mm -hmm. They are any, any person within the faith could ask you anything about, (laughs) about, you know, about your sex life, about your, Um, love life, about your preferences. And that's okay because they're just holding you accountable or they're just making sure that you're aligned with God or whatever it is. And it's this very strange... Honestly, a very strange obsession yeah. because the Bible itself doesn't focus on sex as much as I think a lot of the evangelical church right. does. Mm-hmm.
2: And Amen. so, like, that,
0: that mm-hmm. wasn't, like, a major concern yeah. of Jesus's. Right. Yeah,
2: I mean, I just, like, you're describing this and I'm just, like, trying, like, the boundary nightmare yeah. of, of trying to be open in public and like, Mm -hmm. you know, get the support of your church, but also,
0: yeah. Yeah. Cause you also want to feel, I imagine in a circumstance like Danny's, you want to feel accepted and you want to feel like seen by the people that are in your community, but it's also not necessarily an invitation to pry into all of your life. And it sounds like, like you said, Danny was a pretty good sport about it, but like he didn't have to be. You know. <laughs> no. There's no, no obligation.
1: And then poor Krista got drug into it. And, yeah. and when you were talking about the purity and everything, they're asking mm-hmm. like details, like, are you yeah. having sex? And yeah. like, oh my goodness. And, and <laughs> it just it, it kind of felt um you know, there's this um mis gross misconception that anybody that is um in the LGBTQI plus community is somehow a predator. And mm-hmm. and and you know, and, and they're asking Krista just because she's younger. Like, um, you know, are you are you safe? And are you you know, kind of things like that. Like, are, are you having sex? And and none of that is appropriate
3: none of that it's like i can't tell you how much that's not your business (laughs) like it's actually stunning how much it's not your business so so stunning (laughs) i'm I'm like i went to ministry school when i was very young so i'm like having flashbacks of like all the questions that you used to ask us Mm -hmm. be like but tell us are you making out and if Mm -hmm. so in what way i'm like why like are you gonna go like think about that later like (laughs) could you stop being weird (laughs) have you been Horizontal together, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Uh, horizontal yeah.
0: was a common mm-hmm. phrase. Oh Avoid yeah. the
3: horizontal position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We Leave room for Jesus. You know, yeah. Like he wants to be there too.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, stop. <laughs> well, I, I'm actually curious because in the, in the midst of all this, you and Danny are developing this friendship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of started out with a friendship, and it's growing in the midst of all that's happening. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, how did? how did the process of writing the book together and the process of his transition impact your relationship? I really got to know him very
1: well, very quickly because Mm. once there was this, I, you know, idea that we were going forward with the book, we would sit and have book talks, which was like reverse book club, you know, Um. (laughs) we're writing a book, not reading it, but we would have these book book talks and, um, you know, he would come over, we'd kick back some drinks and, you know, just tackle a topic or a period of time and just talk for a couple hours. And then, you know, either the next week or the next month, we would do it again. And so I got to, I got to know him very, very well, Mm. but also, uh, you know, and I got to know things that had happened before, you know, kind of get, get caught up on all the things Mm -hmm. that I wasn't there for, but then everything else was happening concurrent to this. So that's a lot. It was a <laughs> lot. It was a whole lot. Um, you know, being being present for those meetings and and um and trying to be support to help him navigate all of these relationships that were um in in various states of uh of uh reorganization or, or dissolution or whatever was happening. Um, you know, so there was a lot happening all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, it, you do tend to get very close when you're going through these intense, um, things together. And then when you started dating Krista, now, now I have another new friend because, you know, she immediately became part of our, our lives and our community. Um, and he actually, Danny lived with us for a while, Um, Mm -hmm. which was, um, you know, now he's our roommate. So
0: (laughs) that's a whole different level of close. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and when he was really, truly in earnest going through transition, like had hormones and, and all of those things, you know, he was living in my house. So, um, yeah, you, you do get, you do to get pretty close in those (laughs) circumstances. And he's, you know, he's been developing this friendship with my husband as well, um, Mm. And so it was very much a, um, a family sort of thing. Um, mm. but it was an honor really to go through this with him. Um, yeah. not saying that every day was easy, yeah. um, but cause there were, you know, there was a lot, a lot happening all the time.
3: Yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't have changed a thing. I feel like people tend to be like very vocal and like prideful about the fact that they are allies But very few people are really in the trenches like you were with Danny, Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're like, yes, come be in my home. Like, I am here for you. I will write your story. Like, that's all really, really beautiful.
2: And, yeah, I just was like, wow, I just need to host space for that for just a second. (laughs) Well, I think even friendship – I mean, nobody likes being messy around anyone else, right? Like, we like to handle our mess in our own and then – yeah, be be with people at our best. <laughs> but sometimes I think I could say that you know, in our friendship or mm-hmm. in my in my marriage, or sometimes the messy things are the things that draw you closer together yeah. in beautiful ways. And so oh, definitely, there's just something yeah. about like human relationships that when when mess. Combines with trust <laughs> and, and good relationship can be just so profound yeah. and beautiful. Definitely, and that gets
1: touched on um, actually at the very end of the book. So a little bit of a spoiler alert, um, but uh, um, my husband gives the toast at the wedding because uh, Danny and Krista get married, and um, and he starts talking about that very concept. Like it's the yeah. things that go wrong that make memories. Mm-hmm. Like Mm when you're on a vacation, you don't always just remember, oh, the, you know, you do, the views were great or this, this went really well. But what you end up talking about is, oh, we had a blown tire and (laughs) (laughs) and we had to walk and and we were hungry and then this, uh, you know, somebody came and gave us food, you know, like the Uh, weird Unexpected, mm-hmm. um, the the unscripted parts mm. are where the memories are made.
0: That's very true, and I think it's really it's admirable to see the way that like you've you have stepped up to be that ally for Danny, and then to also um, be willing to sacrifice for that allyship. Like I I think about what does it really look like to. Um, oh to like stand behind your beliefs and to stand behind what it is that you say that you believe. Mm -hmm. Like I sometimes get nervous to repost something on my Instagram story that I know is going to be controversial to the beliefs that maybe people have known me to have in the past or that people who I'm still close to or still love would like, would disagree with, you know? So I I think that, but then I, I like the, the reminder of, Oh, like, why feel afraid to to stand up for something that you actually think is right
1: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean that's the space i lived in all the time of i have to be really careful about what i post or what i say mm-hmm. because everyone i wanted people to like me
0: yeah and
1: i knew that being honest about certain beliefs or, or mm-hmm. being honest about disagreements, you know, with mainstream Christianity, yeah. um, was going to be unpopular and you will lose mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. So it was up until 2014, that was kind of how I operated. Like, I really want to be a good person and I want to be there for, um, you know, gay friends and all that. But I also want everybody over here to like me. So Mm -hmm. I'm walking this sort of tightrope, and I don't want to be not liked, heaven forbid. And I certainly don't want to be the center of controversy because people will think this or that about me. So what this was for me was a a true moment of who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I really? Because Mm -hmm. I don't think I want to be that person anymore. Um, And it's scary because yeah, there's going to be backlash and you are going to lose some friends and you are going to lose some things. But Mm -hmm. Danny was going through this whole thing. So his insides and his outsides matched and he could be this whole person. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted too. And I realized if I, say, went to work every day and I worked for this university where the president was posting pro-Trump things and yeah. um, anti-LGBTQI plus things and, um, you know, here's, you know, this is the face of the university and now I would be associated with that. Yeah, It, it just felt very mismatched to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. it was so, so, so scary, though, to go to say, Hey world, you know, (laughs) this is the way it is from, you know, from now on on. and see who sticks around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
0: And I feel like, I mean, it might sound harsh. Why do we want so badly to keep these relationships if they're conditional on that?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: I I know there's so much complication and nuance in that. Some of those people might be family members or people that have been in your life for so long, but like, if that's the, 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 tipping point then what there's something else that's maybe deeper there Mm -hmm. yeah and um that can be really hard to recognize it's a hard line to walk and it can be really difficult when you feel like your values have changed or your values are finally coming to the surface Mm -hmm. and they they don't line up to um maybe what people have expected of you before or what people um think that they knew of you
2: yeah People be disappointed in you, you know. Oh, yeah. Totally. yeah, it's also so tragic to me that thought leaders in evangelical Western Christianity have such a chokehold on what beliefs are good and what mm-hmm. beliefs are immoral. Yeah, that other Christian thought leaders can step up and bring alternative, like ideas and viewpoints to the conversation, and instead of mixing with other thought leaders, they are marginalized and Mm -hmm. pushed to the edges. Like, it's so tragic to me that someone like you who's working as an adjunct professor in a university who has a personal, very deep relationship with someone who's going through this very present issue in our country Mm -hmm. and has done countless hours of research and writing and Um, work on this subject is not considered more of an expert in the topic Mm. than the current existing powers that be. Mm -hmm. And I find it so frustrating that as we see the the Western evangelical church maintain and become even more rigid in their acceptance of different ways of thought surrounding certain political issues, social issues, humanitarian issues, the more and more, like, Christianity as a whole, like, disintegrates on the edges. Yeah. When really, faith is so much more fluid mm-hmm. than, like, what certain pastors have decided Exactly. It is. The
1: pastor was
2: always the ultimate authority, right? You know, yes. like he's, yeah. <laughs> well, if the pastor
1: says it's okay, it's okay. Or if the pastor yeah. says that we shouldn't be doing this, we can't be doing this. It's like he's mm-hmm. a demigod or something. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: And it's yeah. like, it's crazy. Like, why is that? Like, yeah. why Why can other people who have spent deep amounts of research ha- and personal, like, loss? Mm-hmm. In in, in these subjects, be the ones who are heard.
3: Right. It's like the the ever-present issue with pastors in general that they're pastors, so they have the authority to give you sex advice, to Mm -hmm. give you financial advice, to counsel you, even though they themselves have no credentials in counseling and have probably never been to counseling and maybe yes. you're know, married yeah there <laughs> exactly you go. Yeah. it's like all the all the things compound yeah. into like like you said a demigod and it's like yeah. you're in charge whatever you say goes yeah. like
0: it's yeah. kind of an odd system it's so it's odd. a very odd yeah. system
2: and like i just i have hope for a new christianity that is more I guess, decentralized Mm -hmm. um, that has all sorts of different faith leaders that you can Mm -hmm. learn from and grow in and, you know, evolve as you practice your own faith. But it just it feels like they continually again and again are silenced by Mm -hmm. the the mainstream media, like Christian media, mainstream Christian leaders, mainstream Christian churches. There's Mm -hmm. just not a platform for them.
3: Yeah, but we're seeing
1: so many things disintegrate. Do you think that maybe like the so called exvangelical movement? Do you think that maybe we are just rebuilding something that is going
2: to be refreshing? Mm. I don't know. I, I want to believe that's a great Yeah, yeah. I would love to believe that too. I, I think I just find so many more of the evangelicals that I encounter are like me, where they're like, I don't know what I believe. Whatever I believe, it's not that. Yeah, them, right. <laughs> who, are, who are off to the side. They don't want to step in church because they're traumatized from their time there. They're, they're nervous to like engage in the faith practice because it's been harmful to them in the past. And the, yeah, I, I don't know, I, you'd have to rally somehow a mm-hmm. bunch of people who are very adamantly trying to not be rallied. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm pretty hopeful in that realm. I think that we see people like Tim Whitaker, who we mm-hmm. just recently had on the podcast. Yep. And his like his community he's built with new evangelicals and is trying to continue to build. There are so many people that are in that space of oh, we we still hold on to the value of of Christianity or of just yeah. like religion in general. Um, in fact, there's actually lots of scientific Benefits to religion and to religious practice, mm-hmm. and they see that, and um, they see value in these teachings of Jesus, but they also want um, reform. And we've seen the Christian Church go through reform multiple times. Like we, the one that I feel like everyone knows is Martin Luther's ninety-nine uh, thesis, the thesis. nailed to <laughs> yeah. the door yep. um, of the Catholic Church. But that also happened when the Catholic and the Orthodox Church split, and um, we've seen christianity evolve over Mm -hmm. time i don't know if we'll see it fully realized in a reformation in our lifetime or if we're at the the cusp of it if it's just starting Mm -hmm. or or what that looks like but i'm fairly hopeful in that realm i'm part of a christian group that is like in that realm um and it gives me a lot of hope it's interesting too because there is just like a general like, lack of value for religion and spirituality that has grown over the last several, Mm -hmm. maybe decades, even. For valid Um, reasons. Yeah, there's lots of great reasons. Um, But I actually, I mean, if you want to do a deep dive on this, then you should go on a deep dive on Rain Wilson from The Office. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with him at this moment. Um, (laughs) But he has a lot that he talks about um, the need for, like, a spiritual revolution. or And for, yes, he's
2: fascinating
0: he is he just he actually has a book that came out recently I haven't read the book but I've listened to several interviews with him now about the book and it's called soul boom and basically talking about the need for religion and spirituality and how it like helps us form a more just society. Um, but he also recognizes like there's so much trauma and mm-hmm. so many bad things in religion. He's Baha'i um, and like talks about his Baha'i faith, but he also isn't saying everyone needs to be Baha'i. Like he's fully, he's very, he's very encouraging of religion and spirituality, but not of a specific one. Um, and so it's just fascinating hearing about like, how religion allows us to structure our lives, how religion impacts our health, mm-hmm. how religion impacts the way that we view justice and the way that we um, organize ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, I think that there's a lot of potential, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that religion has been used as a tool in humanity for millennia to structure ourselves and to give ourselves purpose And I think that's valuable still. But how that looks in the future for Christianity, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see. It's a tough
1: one. I think in hindsight, at some other point, whether we're here for it or not, people will look Mm. back and see that something was happening. Yeah.
0: I kind of hope that this period of time is impactful in the long term when it comes to Christianity and that this isn't just like a blip in Mm. Christianity's history. So
1: hopeful for that. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: Anyways, but my next question for you is actually: How have you, throughout the process of writing the book, um, until now, seen your your faith evolve personally? I mean, mm. it's, it's from being a LGBTQ supporting member of the church, but then walking through all of this mm. drama, and mm. walking through this new friendship, and writing this book, and becoming becoming like a true fully fledged no one could say you're not an ally ally <laughs> like how has your how has your relationship to faith changed
1: it's still evolving um i am one of the the people that you know i don't go to church because it's just it's somewhat traumatizing but even more than that if i'm being really honest i found that sunday mornings and Sundays as a whole are really, really fun if you don't have to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: my gosh. That's so true. Game changer.
3: <laughs> Sunday brunch is, is on the table now. And <laughs> oh, yeah. My house is so much cleaner now. My Donut house.
2: runs. Yeah.
3: <laughs> There's just a lot of life there that, you know,
1: I missed yeah. out on. So I'm not in the rush to go back to church just because I'm... Exploring what it looks like to have a full weekend that I've never had before, Um, and I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but also not because it's true. It's real, yeah. It's real. Um, I haven't given up. Like some people go the atheist route, and that's not me. I'm not an atheist, and I'm not even, um, you know, I'm not anti-Christianity. I'm anti- um, evangelical Christianity. Mm -hmm. Um, That's I've seen. just way too much damage that's been done. But I'm curious now. I am I think that the biggest thing is that I, I don't shut anything down. I don't say – like in evangelical spaces, you always um, – you get you hear about something, you get two or three words into it, and you're like, okay, bad, good. Mm-hmm. Let's put it in the bad box or the good box. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, there's just like this pressure to instantly judge things. Mm -hmm. And now I just approach anything and everything with this open curiosity and not that I can be deceived by any old thing that comes along. I mean, you you just want to look at it. You want to give something a chance. Um, and I think I was always, um, wary of, Oh my goodness, we can't read Buddhist literature, or we can't. Um, Unitarian churches were always like very suspect because they, mm. they, mm, I don't know if they're always about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was um, always this skepticism. But recently I got asked to speak at a Unitarian church, and I think that I felt more. Um, Oh, I don't know fulfillment or more spiritual nourishment than I felt in a lot of times going to evangelical church. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I um, it was Palm Sunday, and mm-hmm. I came to see the, um, the the Palm story, the Palm Sunday story through a different set of eyes, different lenses, yeah. and I learned mm-hmm. things. Mm. Um, I learned about, um, there's a, a, there's people that connect the concept of justice to Palm Sunday. And mm. I'd never seen the story through this lens before. And mm. I, I realized that, you know, here's a space that I was always told was bad space, bad space. <laughs> yeah. And yet I can go into it. And I can get spiritually fed and I can yeah. feel that I've had a conversation about Jesus and I've had a conversation about his time on earth and his life and his death. Mm-hmm. And I've not only had that, I've seen it from a broader, wider perspective. And I learned mm-hmm. things about the Christian Bible that I didn't know before. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that is all under this umbrella of, um, evolving faith and realizing mm-hmm. that, um, I had been given this maybe narrow sort of mm. this is what you'll stay between these rails and you'll be yeah. all right. And yeah. there's a lot out here. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, also, binaries. I'm, I'm just obsessed with this concept of most of life happens between binaries. And I got this mm-hmm. from um, knowing about intersex and knowing <laughs> that um, when um, people you know, we always want to put people in the, you know, male-female category. Intersex is yeah. is neither. Mm-hmm. And binary thinking affects all of life. It's not just mm-hmm. about gender. It's about so many things. It's about anytime we say that's good, that's bad, or this is this way and that is that way. And we're discounting all of this in between. Every everything that is in between those two binaries. So I've been trying to challenge myself to um, not have binary thinking about anything. Mm. Yeah. And that has also been challenging to my faith. So yeah. and these mm. are not ways I would have thought even five years ago, and certainly yeah. not eight or 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm.
0: Non-binary thinking is, I think it's, it's difficult because we live in a society that has conditioned us to take everything as very black and white yes and so diving into that gray area can be it can be hard to not want to default into one direction or another yeah Uh, and so it really is it's like a practice Mm -hmm. and an exercise of of thinking um out of dualism and out of this very strict way of thinking and this very absolutist uh mentality. Uh, and so it's, I feel like that's like a lifelong work for anyone who it wants, to, <laughs> who wants to open their mind to explore that further. It's a constant reminder because everything else around us is telling us things are black and white. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think that it, it's far reaching. It's not even just about concepts. It's about, mm. you know, like before we started recording, I, I shared that I had some bad news at work, you know, mm-hmm. and, sure. um, And at least for the next year, I'm not going to be in a classroom and I'm going Mm -hmm. to be just focusing on my writing, and my reporting. And, um, you know, we weren't expecting things to go this way. And, um, for me, you know, when this news first hit, um, you know, my first thought was, this is like the worst thing that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Binary thinking,
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: And I think I'm trying to bring it into all parts of my Mm -hmm. existence. Mm -hmm. Like things aren't the best. They're not the worst. They're probably Mm -hmm. somewhere in between that. And Mm -hmm. that's where reality is. That's where life is. And it's -hmm.
3: freeing. Yeah. It's that idea of like true acceptance is like at some level, just neutrality. And it's very hard. My therapist talks to me about this all the time. And I'm like, this is great but I don't think you understand how I was raised <laughs> and it's it's truly um, I learned I went down a rabbit hole about a year ago learning about the concept of a mind virus which essentially is just a toxic way of thinking that has developed a pathway in your brain that your neurons continue to travel through. And it's like, this is, this is a sickness. It's a, it's a form of being sick because your way of thinking is harming you Mm -hmm. and you actually have to work really hard to correct and build new neuropathways. And so it's like deconstructing essentially the way you view the world to rebuild a new way of seeing the world that's more beneficial to you and those around you. But again, like you said, that is that is a life's work. That it is, is life's work. <laughs> that's an undertaking.
1: <laughs> yeah, the neuropathways is is it's fascinating, fascinating mm-hmm. to look at. My husband was telling me um, a couple of months ago that he can trace back, like his views, a lot of his views have changed over the years. And he so said I kind of trace it back to one day I decided that I was. I was going to put my pants on differently. I'm going to switch the leg that goes in first. And I I just started (laughs) laughing. I said, no way. You are are just kidding me. And he said, no, I read something about we Mm -hmm. always do things the same way and Mm -hmm. we need to intentionally mix it up because Mm -hmm. that way we're Kind of expanding our mind literally because mm-hmm. of this neural pathway is telling you, okay, right leg, then left, left leg, or yeah. this sock, yeah. and then that sock. And, and just the act of doing that opposite, doing it differently, mixing it yeah. up, can actually rewire your brain. And because you learn subconsciously, oh, right leg first is right, and this is mm-hmm. wrong. Or, you know, mm-hmm. putting the left sock on first, that's the right way to do it. If we do it the mm-hmm. other way, that's the wrong way. <laughs> and, and he said, like, it, it sounds silly, but that was the beginning of his, I guess, ability to see things as not static, right, and wrong. Yeah. We do it this way. Mm-hmm. And he said, he said from there, it was just like, <laughs> he just <Yeah>. took off.
3: <laughs> Isn't it <laughs> weird, so though, so that funny. as you start those things, it feels wrong. Like, because yeah. it's different, it's like, no, this feels physically yeah. Yes. So incorrect. And I think we confuse, we meaning humanity, confuse that difference with like a gut feeling of like, this is wrong. Yeah. Yes.
0: Like foreign equals incorrect yeah. or yes. something you're not used to equals wrong. Yeah. And that's just not true. <laughs> that's not which,
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> which, which we find out when question. we travel. We find oh. that out when we physically oh, yes. travel yeah. and we yeah. see that other cultures do things different ways. And just because they do it different doesn't mean that our way's better. It's like ethnocentrism, you know, that we
3: develop. Whatever we do, it is right. 100%. Totally. It's like, here we go, colonialism, woo! (laughs) Well, yeah, I actually had a friend the other
0: day who called a different, um, like, a different country's food weird. Mm. And I was like, what's weird about it? Like, Yeah, it's like, well, it's not anything that we normally eat in an American diet. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. but right. (laughs) <laughs> Those people probably love it. And they might think our food is right. weird. Like, there's, yeah, they're like pizza. And it, I <laughs> don't, they didn't mean anything by it. But it's like this idea that, oh, this is weird mm-hmm. and therefore, like, gross or mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. because it's different food that different other people eat bad. that you're not yeah. used to. and. It's little simple things like that. I think they do build up to a bigger, broader symptom of like how we think and how we address things that are new or different or uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's valuable to take note of that, even as simple as how you put your pants on. I don't even know which leg I put on first.
3: I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I'd have
0: to like really, I I think I'm definitely a
3: right legger, right leg, left (laughs) leg. Yeah. I've been trying to think about it really hard and I think I'm 82% sure that I actually switch between the two, which may have something to do. Well, I'm dyslexic. So everything is fucked up all the time. Like, So talking about everything that's different and all those things, I think begs Question for me is how's your book been received in mm. in both religious spaces and in the intersex space? Yeah. That's a it's a really fascinating question. Um I think a lot of straight
1: up religious um evangelical um people have just ignored it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't exist if you ignore it. So right. um yep. I've had a lot of that, a lot of ignoring. Mm. Um, and I've also had um intersex it, that's it's the most fascinating i think part of the conversation is how has the intersex community responded and that's what i'm most concerned about and interested in really right yeah. um the very amazingly cool thing is that i know a um disproportionately high number of intersex people now. Um, so yeah. I, I definitely have like friendships that have developed, um, and, with intersex people. And I, I know, uh, a community now of, of intersex people. And that is, um, exciting and wonderful to me to think that I've been able to make friends with people who are intersex mm-hmm. because they positively received the book. The, um, Person who did my narration on the audiobook, it, Jennifer Wren Pickens, is Intersex. Mm. And um it was the best day ever when I when she auditioned to to play to play me on uh-huh. the uh-huh. audio book. And I found out she was intersex and I so this is like the best possible outcome because I I at first wanted to do my own narration because I you know that's what I like as a as a reader when I listen to audiobooks but mm-hmm. yeah, um, there were a million reasons why that wasn't going to happen and I hadn't even thinking about who's going to read the Danny section because that would have been weird if I read it um so my publisher put out an audition and found we found um it, Jennifer was one of the first people that responded and she she got right on it. She said that, well, this has all of the elements it's intersex and it's spirituality. And, and mm-hmm. I, I'm really interested in this project. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, from, from that perspective, um, that's been very positive, but, you know, it, I think too, um, I always, um, try to point out that, um, when you know one intersex person, you know one intersex person. Um, I said you know, a while back that there are lots of different types of intersex, and there are lots of different ways of being intersex, and there's not just, oh, this is the way the intersex people do it. It's not like that at all. So um, from that perspective, it shouldn't be surprising that um, there's been definitely one, maybe two intersex people that actually did have a problem with mm. the book. Um, Mm -hmm. there was somebody we reached out to for an endorsement and, um, she just didn't like the back of book copy. She didn't read the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, She didn't know anything about the book, but she thought that the description of what Danny went through was incorrect and weirdly had her doctor read it and the doctor didn't think it sounded right and he was an intersex researcher. And I'm thinking, there's so many jumps here. Like, I didn't, like, I can't get medicine without, from my doctor who's been my doctor for 25 years without going in and having him see me. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking, <laughs> how in the world do we diagnose people for the back of a book? And right. how can, you know, th- there was a lot of just very strange things that happened with that. So, you know, we kind of just chalked it up to, okay, this isn't, a good person that's, uh, you know, to ask to endorse the book and, you know, we won't be yeah. working, you know, with that person. Um, but it kind of was jarring and at first upsetting because I'm thinking, Oh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, um, work with the intersex community and now here's somebody who's, who's not yeah. taking it in, uh, mm-hmm. in that way. So that was, that was hard. I had, um, I recently saw on Goodreads, um, it wasn't an intersex person, but it was a lesbian, um, actually kind of gave the book a meh review. Cause she's like, I know this person, um, her heart's in the good and right place, but I just really can't swallow the fact of having to choose, um, whether you're going to be an ally or not. Mm-hmm. And oh. I'm like, okay, I, I can take okay. that. I understand that. Um, you know, again, it's not going to be for everybody. There's always going to be somebody that sees something different Right. And that's part of the drama and fun of putting out a book is that everybody's going to have their own read on it.
3: Mm -hmm. And
1: you lose control of the work the the second you release it out Mm -hmm. to the world. People are going to read it the way they're going to read it. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for the most part, it's been good. Good Mm -hmm. ignored a few people who have grumbled. I Mm -hmm. think that's (laughs) where we're at. Sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the... Like the trepidation is understandable in the sense of like, oh, like hearing the premise of the book of saying there's this this woman who's not intersex, this woman who's telling this intersex person's story, like there's like like I already said, it gave me pause when I first heard I was like, Okay, like what are we talking about here? Like, well, let's let's investigate further. And mm-hmm. um it's it's definitely like I, I mentioned it uh, that we were interviewing you to a friend who is a lesbian. And she was like, oh, what? Tell me more. Like, I need more information yep. <laughs> about what exactly you mean. She's like, "Because I think there is that inherent hesitancy because there have been people who have historically like appropriated the stories of minorities mm-hmm. or who have spoken for minorities um, and spoken over them instead of yeah. platforming them. Right. And so I think there is an understandable level of trepidation, but there's also a lot of nuance mm-hmm. in the way that you're telling this story, and a lot of nuance in um, knowing where you're coming from and the the relational equity that you have with Danny and with other people within the intersex community now, and like the idea that you have to come to terms with like how to be an ally. It's hard because. Allyship is not necessarily what we were all raised to do, right? right? Like we were conditioned and told many of us were conditioned and told that this is just bad mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. that you I mean, need so to be mistakes. against it. So yeah. many mistakes. <laughs> There's a huge lack of education about what it means to be gay, what it means to be trans, mm-hmm. intersex, etc. There's so much that people are learning on the fly and so much where, uh, mm-hmm. People's hearts might be in the right place, but they're they don't know the right thing to say yet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so I mean, I think that one thing that's kind of cool about your book and story is that it's showing a lot of process uh and showing like a peek behind that that door of mm-hmm. like journeying through allyship. While well, you're also seeing the process of like Danny's journey. Right. Um through coming out coming into his own and all of that comes with that and so um i think it is a valuable and an encouraging story to tell still for sure yeah Yeah.
3: well and like you i feel like the process you went through is actively choosing to not be in a cheap seat right Mm -hmm. back to brene brown man in the arena quote right you're actually getting skin in the game yeah and like there's a cost associated with that like oh yeah like you this isn't something you were handed this is something you chose to support and exactly. i think that's very different um but you know yeah, everyone well, can just, choose to see it how they do of
1: course of course and i i was very careful to tell some stories of when i got it wrong um mm-hmm. if you haven't mm-hmm. got to my part yet you haven't gotten there yet but um i made terrible mistakes you know back um yeah, we didn't have a lot of information, like you're saying. Um, I was one of those people that just, um, in theory, I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be welcoming and supporting to all people, and it just kind of never sat well with me that there was a whole group of people that we were just supposed to ostracize. I never mm-hmm. that never felt yeah. right to me, but that also didn't mean that I inherently knew how to serve them. It didn't mm. mean that I knew how to be an ally. It just I didn't like no. the idea of yeah, we don't like this group of people over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the
0: the complexity of, of allyship, of what it looks like to write a book like this, yeah. of what it looks like to um, dive into these stories and to also put yourself on the line for someone that you care about, where you don't really get, personal gain from it. (laughs) That's, that's huge. And um, so I appreciate you sharing about that and sharing about the need for that. I think that it is so important and so valuable. And the fact that you get to platform Danny's story is such a privilege.
1: It is a privilege. Definitely.
0: All that to say, we are nearing the end of our episode, and we have to ask you a question that we actually ask every guest. Okay. Um, And it is our token question. Everyone's ready for it. I'm gonna ask
1: it. Open to interpretation. Um, Yes. What's coming? So (laughs) this question,
0: this question is open to interpretation. There's no wrong answer, um, just as there is no right answer because. There's Mm. no binaries here. (laughs) No binaries Um, at all. Living in the gray. It is. um, Cynthia, what does the phrase woman being mean to you?
1: Yeah. So I've been thinking about this. And, you know, it's kind of funny within this context because it's such a gendered question. (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) And I think that, um, you know, what the things that come to mind for me, I can't say that it wouldn't be that somebody who's a man or non-binary, you know, maybe they would have a similar answer. So I don't know, you know, if I have the market cornered on, on this. But um, I just, I think about evolving and I think about becoming and I think about all the roles that I've had. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think, I don't have any hard statistics on this, but it wouldn't surprise me to learn that women, at least historically, kind of have more roles than men do. Um, you know, like even back when women weren't working outside the home as much and they would do things at home, but then when they were trying to go go out into the workforce and um and then they're they're doing the brunt of of the nurturing and the cleaning and all this, but also trying to yeah. have this career so I, I think about all the different roles that women have and all the different things that we can be in our lives, but also, um how that changes and evolves. And Mm -hmm. there was one um, part at the end of um, intersection where I started talking about all of the different versions of myself that burnt to the ground. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I think that that's kind of how I got into the space of, of thinking about, well, I used to be this thing and I'm not anymore. I used to be that thing and I'm not anymore. And, um, and this thing kind of burned (laughs) and now I have to reinvent myself and be something different. So mm. I think that it, the phrase just, um, I hear being, and I also think of becoming like we can mm. be one way one day, but we're becoming something different. And, uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that's what I think. <laughs> when I, hear the long,
0: that's <laughs> great. I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one thing that we've, I think grappled with over our time on this podcast is, uh, What do we mean when we say woman being? Ah, Because it does feel very...
2: (laughs) I mean, just like you said, it's constantly evolving. It is. It is
0: always evolving. And I think that there's this tension of the phrase woman feeling like you're limiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, like womanhood and woman and femininity is still valuable and is still... um, It's something that we value so much right we don't want to erase
1: it we want want to set a larger table but yet not erasing the fact that women's spaces are important spaces Mm -hmm.
0: yeah yeah exactly and i think that um at least in my mind like that that idea of woman being has expanded so much over the years Mm -hmm. uh, and has been able to uh grow into something that really could apply to anyone like yeah. regardless of of gender sexuality or any of that it uh it it is inclusive in my mind
1: well you had a non binary person on
0: recently we did we yeah. did yeah. yeah uh and so it's it's something yeah we've we've i think we've danced along this this line of of figuring out how to navigate a term that has been historically pretty Binary, yeah, uh, and uh, sort of looking at the ways to still claim womanhood and femininity, um, but not be that in an exclusive way,
1: yeah. Uh, so, I anyways, I love, love your
0: answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, to really start wrapping things up, Cynthia, I uh need to ask, do you have any resources to share with our mm. listeners? Um, I do, it could be anything. Books, podcasts, movies, (laughs) uh, et cetera.
1: (laughs) Well, one thing I always like to do when I have the chance is I like to um, plug the work of my friend Megan DeFranza. Mm, And um, she is a um, theologian and um, also a therapist. And Mm. um, she actually worked in higher education, too. But um, her book, um, A Sex Difference in Christian Theology, um, sex differences in christian theology it is um it is not a story it's mm-hmm. like a deep dive into um all of the religious components that go into yeah. being intersex and all mm-hmm. of the ways intersex people have been treated in christianity and also um she has a film um which goes along with the book oh um, yeah um
3: um, amazing yeah
1: if you can go to her website um and it's just her name megan com, mm-hmm. and um you can um you can't watch the film there but you can purchase a license an individual license to watch it or mm-hmm. a license cool. to watch it with a group and um what she does is um go into the lives of several different intersex people mm-hmm. and um and, and their spiritual um, practices and the ways they've been treated in um, their spiritual spaces. Uh, there's a there's some um, um, Jewish uh, space that's looked at, and um, yeah. you know, so it's not just Christianity, but it's a fascinating film. And the mm. book is is great. So it's almost like we we have talked before about how my book is like this gateway with story. Like we're wired for story mm. and we, we care yeah. about Danny. we want to see you know what happens to Danny. But when you finish Intersection and you have all these questions about, wow, how does this all work? Mm. Megan's book is a great resource because Mm. she goes into it from a completely different angle, but answers a lot of the questions. I don't attempt to answer questions. Megan does. Right. (laughs)
0: right, Yeah. Love that! Amazing. Yeah. Well, we'll have Megan's website and everything linked. Uh, yeah, that'd, in be our great. Description. that'd be great. Description. I think it's a
1: good companion work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, and then, how can the people find you, Cynthia? Yes. And where can people <laughs>
1: buy your book? Tell yes, them and buy your book. <laughs> yes. Um, well, um, you can come to my website, cynthiavacaDavis um, for mm-hmm. all all different resources. But also, um, Amazon has the book um lake drive books um they're my publisher Mm. and there's more information and links there you can get it at barnes and noble um not a lot of people do these days um Mm -hmm. amazon Mm -hmm. is kind of king right now but um and and you can ask for it wherever fine books are sold
0: (laughs) (laughs) there you go that's amazing so i recommend checking out her book I'm gonna finish it but I um it's already <laughs> great so far <laughs> yeah uh and be sure to can they find you on like Instagram oh I yes think so. yeah. yeah 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 if
1: you head um, my website there's like links to Instagram my socials, and all of that so, yeah, yeah
0: totally yeah give Cynthia a follow um and while you're on Instagram give woman being podcast a follow if yeah. you haven't already <laughs> um and we're also on TikTok we're on all the podcast platforms. Uh, We are not wherever books are sold, unfortunately. (laughs) Not yet.
3: yet. Uh, One day (laughs) we'll we'll see. see. Mark (laughs) my words if I have anything to do about it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, But Thank you, listeners, so much for listening. Thank you, Cynthia, so much for sharing and being so open and sharing your story and giving us insight into Danny's story. Uh, It is such a privilege. Oh, thank you.
1: Thank you for the conversation. It's been great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All that to say, we're just going to wrap this one up.
1: Uh, Be
0: sure to give us a podcast review mm-hmm. on the podcast platforms give cynthia's book a review because yes, that buy also helps her it helps. buy it for your um, mom buy it for your friend <laughs> buy it for your cousin yeah. so just go on a reviewing spree yes come back and then tell us how great we are and <laughs> how much you love the podcast <laughs> and how much you love the book yes. and it'll all be great so
1: yep. um, <laughs> we, like all Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: yeah and um all that to say, we're ending this episode. We'll <laughs> catch you all next week. <sighs> Goodbye.
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: Aww. Great. Aww. That's, That's it. Yeah. Yeah.